and welcome back to Lend Me Your Ears. My name is John Caesar, and uh, I hope all of you are doing good in this <laughs> crazy fall we're having right now uh, in New Hampshire. It still hasn't dropped below maybe 75, 70 degrees on the average. Usually by mid-September, we've hit freezing temperatures and the phone blows up and everybody starts calling at once for their sweepings. It really hasn't gotten cold enough to burn up here yet, yet our schedule is blowing up and I'm kind of worried for when it does get cold. But I hope everybody else is doing good. Uh, I've talked to a lot of you and uh, you guys are kind of having the same issues we are where the, the phone's just blowing up and can't even come up with the work. So that's a good problem to have for sure. Today, we're going to talk about numbers, but uh, I know a lot of you have sat through seminars and classes and videos on knowing your numbers and everybody talks about you need to know your numbers, you need to know your numbers. You do. And I didn't for a long time. I didn't know what that meant. I kept hearing, know your numbers. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, well, I made this much today. So there's my numbers and I'd go from there. But once I started to dive into the numbers, once I started to know, to learn how to dissect them and to, you know, kind of manipulate them and, and dig in, I got addicted. I got to tell you, it was, I still do it to this day. I'm still making spreadsheets and, and looking through things and pulling reports and trying to figure things out. It can be a lot of fun. Uh, I know some of you have seen me posting uh, some of my different spreadsheets and ideas and, and trying to get some topics started in the forums. Uh, but that's kind of the idea is, you know, the more you get to see it, the more you you dig into it, you can find out a lot of cool things. So this podcast or this episode is not to teach you, you know, that you need to know your numbers. This one goes a little deeper because I screwed up. No surprise. Um, I, that's kind of how I go with this, these episodes. I try to teach you through my mistakes that hopefully you don't make them. Uh, but I made a pretty big mistake. Um, and I'm going to talk about that later in the episode because I I get addicted to knowing the numbers, right? I know them and I see them and I track them. And, uh, you know, I just I see those numbers day after day. But what do they mean? What should they mean? How should they relate to each other? What correlates to what and, and what percentages of each should be? It, it's that's something I really didn't pay attention to. And it, uh, it cost me a little bit. We're going to go over how that uh, could have been <laughs> avoided. But, um, when you talk about knowing your numbers, everybody, like I said, here's those buzzwords, know your numbers. Great. Everybody's company is different. Everybody's got different metrics for their success. They want to track certain things. They have different facets of their business. You know, some people do dryer vents or stove sales, or they have additional services. They do roofing and gutters and tree trimming. And there's so many different ways to run a chimney business that you can't just give, you know, basic numbers. Hey, everybody should know these 10 things. Like there's, there's no way to do that. So I encourage you to, to dig into your business, start looking into numbers, kind of use what I'm going to talk about today as a, as a basis for it. I'm just going to give you ideas of what I do, but by no means are these the only ones you should be looking at. I Every time I consult with someone or talk to someone about their business, I always learn something from them. It's not all, you know, John knows everything, so here, listen to me. Absolutely not. Every time I do any kind of consulting or conversation, I end up learning something from the people that I'm talking with. And a lot of times, it just it blows my mind how many different ways there are to skin this chimney cat, if you will. So by all means, use this as a basis, um, learn from my mistakes, but dig in, start looking into your numbers uh, and see what you can come up with. I would say that this ties into last week because it's hard to to do this without having that clarity, that time, the, the focus that we talked about to to really get to the level you need to. And I couldn't do it until I got out of the van. Uh, a lot of the the money making decisions, a lot of the numbers that I thought I knew, they were completely based on me flying by the seat of my pants because I had another sweeping to get to, so I couldn't really think about it too much, and that cost me as well. I've talked about that in uh, episodes past, but once I got out of the van, once I had some time, like I said, I was bored at first. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? There's no ladders to climb. There's no bricks to hit with a hammer. Like, what am I supposed to do right now? <laughs> This was my my out. Once I started playing around with reports and and starting to look at QuickBooks and I started to see trends. I started to see things I'm like, why is that there? Why do we spend so much on this? And why is this number not? It started to come alive for me. But I couldn't do that without not having the hectic uh, chaos that it is trying to run a business from the front seat of a van. So um, you still can. It's just really hard to get down to the level you should. So. Let's talk about what to track. Um, like I said, these are just over, these are basics really, like an umbrella to look at. 
But these are some of the big ones. Uh, everybody knows gross revenue. That's the easy one. You want to know how much you're making. But when, right? What you're making is good, but are you tracking for the year, for the month, by the week, by the day, by the quarter, by the, you know, what, what, when? One of the, the coolest things I heard from Simon Sinek, he was talking about something called the infinite game. And uh, a lot of business owners are, and they don't realize that they're playing an infinite game. There's no winning in business, right? Everybody says, well, we're number one. We're the best. And people, we use these words to try to sound more important, but based on what? You know, how are you going to measure your, uh, your success? Everybody's different. I measure mine by the quarter. You measure yours by the year. You met, you know, everybody has their own different way of doing it. So figure out what matters most to you. Do you want to track by the year? Do you want to track by the week? I mean, you could, I've done it all different ways and they're all fun. They all work, but they all mean different things. I actually have a, a spreadsheet I put together that tracks our year to year and month to month growth. So I can look at this spreadsheet. I've shared it on Facebook. Some of you have seen it already. I can look at it and I can see year to year our growth from one to the next percentage wise, dollar wise, our average month is in there and I can see the growth in that. Um, I can see all of my Januaries across the board from January, my first year when I made $395 for the entire year or the entire month. Woo! <laughs> I can see that and I can track every January. Are we growing every January? How much are we growing? How? What's the difference? And then I have percentages tied in with a bunch of formulas that show the exact percentage between this year and last year. So yeah, we grew. We made more this January than last January, but how much more? And then I go down the list. Okay, well, we, we grew that percentage in January. Now, how about February? How about March? How about April? All the way through. And then I have it by the quarter. I have it by the year. Just because it's fun. I want to be able to see these these stories that the numbers tell. So I encourage you to do that for, you know, for anybody listening to this, the number one thing you should learn to do is play with the formulas in, in spreadsheets, whether you're using Google Sheets or uh, Excel or whatever you're using, they all have a way to type in some magic formula and you can make the numbers do whatever you want. Like I have one, you, you add up four different cells, but divide by this one and times this percentage will show you. And I'm like, you just fill in your numbers. That's all you have to do is say, okay, this is this price. This is this cost. And it spits out a number at you. That's when it really came alive for me. When I realized that the spreadsheet could talk to me, I could put the numbers in. I know what the numbers are, but make them do things and tell me things. That was crazy. But that's one of my spreadsheets there. So I can see month to month, year to year trends. We'll get into how that comes into play later on. But just, you know, a, a one number doesn't tell a story. I'm a $2 million company. Great. When? <laughs> I know $2 million companies that are completely dead in the water until June. You might be $2 million. What would happen if you filled the other six months of the year with work or, or something else? You could be four, five, right? So just telling a number doesn't do anything. When do you make that money? How do you make that money? Why do you make that money, Right? So you know your revenue, whatever it is, year to year, month to month, week to week, day to day even. That doesn't tell a complete story either because uh, Mark Stoner was talking about uh, in his book and his shows and everything. He's talked about a bunch of times how he grew his company to a million dollar company. Yay. But it cost him 1.1 or 1.2 million to run it. So that number, that that buzzword number, how much, what are you? I'm, I'm a million dollar company. Great. Nobody realizes the other side of it. It takes money to make money. And a lot of people don't realize that. So there's costs incurred with that. There's a lot of other factors at play rather than just how much you're making. How much are you spending? That's a big one. How much are you spending? Me growing up, um, I was really good at making money. That wasn't my problem. It wasn't a, a wage issue or a lack of work issue. I would make money no matter where I went. I had a spending problem, <laughs> got me in a lot of trouble. I ended up homeless. Like I talked about way back in episode one, it was bad. I made a lot of money. I was working in sales, uh, straight commission sales, and it was fantastic when it was good, but I would get these huge checks on Friday and then be broke on Monday. That's a terrible way to live. And I run a business now, so <laughs> that's not a great way to run a business either. So just be careful of how much you make. That's great. Good for you. How much are you spending? Do you even know? Because I didn't. 
And I told you the story about how I uh, was as a, a young man making a lot of money, but now I run a business and I have other numbers to play with and I still have to wrestle with this. I have to hold myself accountable. My management team has to hold me accountable almost on a daily, weekly basis at this point. I'm like, ooh, shiny thing, shiny thing, new van. No, okay. <laughs> they got to reel me in. But it's very, very easy to spend that money you're making without realizing it. So the first thing is material costs. How much does it cost to do the job? When I started my company, I didn't really pay attention to it. I Because when you're a one-truck operation, I had really one big um, bill. And that was payroll. I had to pay my employees. And then after that, you know, I already bought the parts. So the parts were already waiting for me. And when I got the check at the end of the day, I had to deposit it, pay my workers. And then whatever was left, ta-da, that's mine. So it was very easy for me to keep track of money because I didn't have much to track. So I thought (laughs) as I got bigger, I kept that bad habit going where I wasn't really paying attention to what was going out. I paid attention all the time to what was coming in, always checking the bank account, making sure we had money in there and and being able to pay everybody. It's great, but I wasn't paying attention to anything. I was like, do I have money? Yes, keep moving. I got a, a sweeping to get to. When I grew, that habit stuck and uh, I, had, I had employees coming to me. I had two or three vans at the time and they're going, how do we bid these jobs? How much does it cost? What would you charge? That, that, number, that question kept coming up over and over again. What would you charge? Because there was no set SOP for it. It was just me putting out prices all the time. That's all they knew. They thought I had some magic formula. They thought I was actually doing my homework and being a good business owner. But in reality, I was just making it up off the top of my head. I remember the first liner job I ever did. I didn't know what to charge. Very first job ever. I think it was February of 15. And they said, yes. They're like, we want to do it. Let's go through it. I was like, okay. And they're like, how much? And I'm like, I'll send you an estimate later. I could have given it to them right then, but I didn't know what to charge. I felt bad. I thought that profit and, and markup was a bad thing. And I didn't want to be this guy gouging people. So I just based it off what the my previous employer based it off. I was like, all right, let's just throw this number out there. And I gave it to him. And then I prayed. Because <laughs> that was the only estimate I'd given out. I'm like, let's see. And I remember they called back. And the first thing she said was, so we, I talked this over with my brother-in-law who's in the HVAC business. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm found out. Oh, no. This, here it comes. She goes, we talked it over with him. And he goes, yeah, that's fair. That, that's pretty much in par with what everybody else is doing. So you're good. So let's book the work. And I'm like, oh, that was all of the thought I put into my pricing. Once somebody said that this is market value, this is fair, this is in line. I was like, boom, let's run with it. Give this price to everybody. And I did. Now here I'm with two or three vans. They're asking, what do you charge? I'm like, I don't know. Something based on something from three years ago. And they said it was fair. And I kind of like tweak it here and there. And they're like, that's not going to work. So I made a spreadsheet. And I said, okay, for liners. Here's six by 20, six by 40. Well, six by 20, easy, medium, and hard, depending on what you determine. You, the technician, determine is easy, medium, and hard. Then here's six by 40, easy, medium, hard. If it's something in the middle, figure it out based on those two numbers. Figure out is it easy, and then the size, and then make it up. Literally, that's how I ran my company. And I had a whole spreadsheet for that, seven-inch liners, eight-inch liners, caps, kind of the same thing. I'm like, yeah, you know, if it's, if it's big... What's big, right? Big to me is not big to somebody that's five foot four. I'm like, that's not, you can't scale that. I'm like, if it's big, charge this. If it's large, if it's small, they're like, what's small? I don't know. That's how I ran my company. Those are the numbers that I knew. I didn't know anything. So know your material cost. I didn't realize that until we got a bigger um, software that we use for our CRM, where now it actually tracks it for me. I mean, if it didn't do it for me, I probably wouldn't know it at all, honestly. But it does. It tells me how I have to put it in, of course, at first. But here's how much this part costs. Here's how much a T-body, a snout, an end cap, 10 feet of liner, 20 feet of liner. Here's how much it costs. It wasn't until we started doing that that I realized how far off track I was, how much money I was losing. Because I started matching up those material costs to what I was charging in this dumb little spreadsheet that I kept giving everybody to use. I was losing my shirt on some of these jobs and had no idea just because I always did what I always done. So it must work, right? I have money in the bank to pay people. So it must work. Keep doing it. Oh my God. When I went through and realized that I was undercharging by thousands on some of my jobs, I'm going, I honestly don't know how I kept a company that long. I really don't. 
So then once I learned what materials caught, of course I had the book, I had the catalog and I had the numbers. I just didn't look them up. It was straight up lazy. It's not like they weren't out there. I just didn't take the time to dig in and see what is this job actually costing me? Once I did, and I started putting together packages, here's how much it costs for an actual six by 20 liner. Forget easy, medium, hard. Here's what the materials are for that job. Whoa. Now, what do I want to make on that? How much profit? Well, what's profit? Well, we got to take out payroll. Okay. Well, payroll and materials, that's all there is, right? (laughs) No. But then I started to play with the numbers and they started to come to life. I started to realize what we had, what we should have been charging, changed it. And the company took off. We were actually making money, unbelievably. I know other guys I've talked to, like we don't, I don't get crazy with it just because I'm still a little bit lazy. I like to say I like things simple, but really it, that's what it is. I like to keep it simple. I don't want to overthink things too much. I know guys that go down to the screws with their pricing. It costs me four cents a screw, 10 cents a screw, and we're going to use three times four sections of pipe. So we're going to charge you by the screw. If you want to do that, absolutely do that. Like the more minute you can get, the more definite, exact, do it. Like we're talking about money here. I don't. And it comes down to being lazy. Don't be like me. Don't be lazy. Account for what you're using out there. So yeah, there's, that's, I'm going to, I'm going to beat that one to death. Make sure you're knowing your material cost on everything, on every job. Don't gloss over it. Like I did keep track of that. But like I said, when I had revenue, and I had material costs and I had payroll. I thought that was it. I was like, those are the big three. Make money, buy the parts, pay the people. Sweet. There's so much more. <laughs> so I, like I said, I started putting together spreadsheets and I had uh, that. I had a spreadsheet that says, here's my revenue. Uh, here's how much it costs to run payroll for that day or that week. And here's how much we use in materials. And I still wasn't, I couldn't, the numbers weren't matching what was in the bank account. And I could not wrap my head. I'm like, where is this? And then I started looking at the bank account, looking at the profit and loss. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there's other money we're spending that's not daily. That's not weekly. It's monthly, sometimes quarterly. Things like receipts. You go to the, the, the big box store, Home Depot or Lowe's or hardware store or somewhere. You got to buy a drill. You got to buy a, a new set of brushes. You got to buy a new vacuum, cameras. There's so many things that you buy to keep the job running that's not every day. And for me, I lo- I lost track of it. I just wouldn't think of it because I had the money in the account to buy it so I could afford it. That was the way my mind was. I look at the account. I'm like, oh, that's a lot of zeros. Let's buy a camera. But I would forget to account for it. And then I couldn't realize why the numbers weren't adding up. Gas is another one. Daily gas. The vans that we have, they're big. They're all V8 engines. They're, they're, we put a ton of weight in them. We got ladders and bricks and this, all this weight in there. I don't drive around this big, massive gas guzzling V8. Gas is expensive and gas is even more expensive now. Keep track of that. How often are you filling up? How many miles per the gallon are you getting? Track your mileage on that. For those that have a really good CPA, they can use those numbers to help you. I wasn't doing that either. <laughs> surprise, surprise. But daily, weekly, monthly, it's just the things that it takes to get the job done. Keep track of that. Take a monthly total of it, divide it by four for the weeks and add it to, you know, figure out some way to make those numbers real for you so you don't lose track of them. But those aren't even the big costs. Then I got a building. Then I moved out of my basement and I was somewhere that I had to pay for. That was an added cost. Now I've got lease. Now I have utilities that aren't tied into my house. So now I have to attract or account for those differently. Now I've got internet. Now I've got gas. Now I've got electric. Insurance is another one of those that I completely lost track of because it wasn't front and center. It was a quarterly payment that I would make and I just forget because if I had it in the account, then I must be okay. I don't have to account for it. Not true. Take your quarterly uh, payments or, or biannually or monthly, whatever they are, divide them down so you know what does that cost me a week. Then divide it by seven or five or how many days you work. What does it cost me a day for insurance? I started playing with those numbers and it blew my mind. Just because I can afford it three, four times a year, you bring that down to the daily level and it's amazing. Like it costs me that much um, a day in insurance. You know, I have 11, 12 vehicles now. <laughs> Divide that down to a day and it's it, it's sickening, honestly. <laughs> but then the vehicles themselves, 11 vehicles, I got a, uh, some of them still have loans on them. 
you have monthly payments you have to make on that. Divide that down to the day. How much am I paying per day on my loans? Is it worth it? Should I pay this one off? Should I keep paying on this one? What's the interest? Start playing with the numbers. Software costs. If you have uh, really anything, like there's all these different apps you can get that cost money. Like you got Bare Hands and House Call and Chimspect. And uh, for those that saw the uh, the post I put up last week, you know, Closing Commander, you attend. There's all these little, little $10 a month, $20 a month, $15 a month. They seem so small, so why account for it, really? But they add up. You have five different $20 a month subscriptions for something. You're up to $100 a month. It's $3 a day. Add that to your vehicle loan and your insurance and your mortgage, and it adds up. And all of this stuff matters. And I was just letting it go by. I'm like, yeah, it's $10 a month. Who cares? $20 a month. Okay, I had to buy a camera this month, but whatever. It's going to last me forever. I wasn't accounting for anything. I was just thinking, well, I got revenue and I got materials and I got payroll and I got money in the bank. Life is good. Boom. And then it gets bigger. You get into things like House Call Pro and Service Titan and there's all these massive bills that start adding up. Just because you can pay for it doesn't mean you can afford it. That is such a big part of this that I missed for so long. Advertising is another one. Really, all this comes down to, I could sum it up in, in what I've already said. If I had the money in the bank to pay for it, then we were good. I didn't need a spreadsheet or a report or a profit and loss or an accountant. I just knew if I had the money at the end of the year, we did okay. I actually, uh, I think I talked about this a few episodes ago. For the first few years, I didn't know my numbers so bad. I didn't know how to, how taxes worked. I didn't understand what they how they worked. All I knew was people would talk about numbers. So I knew my numbers, what I thought, and I knew other people's numbers because they talk about them. And I'd hear people talk about their tax bill. Oh man, I had to write a $50,000 check. That hurt, man. Oh, I got to write a $10,000. They just throw these numbers out that scared the pants off me as a new owner. I'm like, $50,000? You had to write a check for that? Oh, I don't want that. (laughs) I'm not going to have that. So what did I do? I ran my company as a non-for-profit for like two, three years because I had enough to make me happy. There was enough in the bank for me to be okay. Everything else, spend it. I was spending on purpose. So me with a spending problem as a young man anyway, gets a business. I didn't have a spending problem. It was a spending plan. Let's spend all the money so that I don't have to pay Uncle Sam at the end of the year. And that was a dumb way of running it too because just we were consistently chasing profit and I didn't know it. You can't have profit if you're spending all your profit. The upside of that was it gave me an amazing business. Everybody had brand new uniforms, brand new vans, fully wrapped, nice ladders, cameras, vacuums, top dollar for everything because you get what you pay for. I just didn't have any profit to show at the end of the year. Well, I did, just not as much as I should have. Then I sat through a class a couple of years ago, and they talked about a book called Profit First from Mike Michalowicz. I had to sound that out in my outline here so I'd say his name right, Michalowicz. Profit first is a method of keeping track of your money. And the first, I think it was Mark Stoner actually that was teaching this class that I was at. Go figure. And (laughs) everything in my company ties back to Mark in some way. Um, He's teaching the class and he gets up there and he says, most business owners have one account and they run everything out of it. And they say things like, if I have money in the bank, I can afford it. And I'm going, (laughs) he's got cameras in my house. (laughs) Because that's exactly what I was doing. One account, there was money in it, buy a van. We had money in it, buy a camera. We had money in it, great. I, I'm winning, right? He goes, that's a terrible way to run business. And I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> no. And he broke it down. I'm not going to go into a ton of detail in it because I'm I'm not as, as versed in it as everybody else is. But the basics of it are split up your money. They, call, they talk about different buckets, have different buckets for your money, different accounts. Really, you should have five different accounts. I had one. I'm like, what? Why do I need five? It's all the same money. It's not. Have one account the money goes into. Great. I have that one already. Got that one down. Here we go. He goes, then take the money out of that account, put it in different accounts. Number one, profit. And I'm like, ooh, I can do that. I like profit. Profit's all right. How much? That's on you. You got to figure out what number suits you and your business and your revenue and your overhead. You have to know your numbers for this to work. Know what to do with your numbers, actually. But come up with a number. 1%, 5%, 7%, 10%. Don't do 10%. That's really high. But figure out what number works. Start small and then work your way up. Figure out, you know, if I take out 
2% every week and put it in this account. Does that hurt me? Do I, is it all right? And if it, it's not enough, play with it. So after you take out your profit, that's why it's called profit first. You take that out first before anything else off the top. Then your taxes. Taxes is key. So like I said, I didn't know how taxes worked and I didn't know you're supposed to prepay into your taxes. And I'm like, how am I supposed to prepay if I don't know what my tax is going to be? And I'm not going to go off on that tangent. I was wrong. <laughs> Let's just go with that. I was wrong and didn't do it right. Ended up with a big fat bill every single April. And I'm like, what? He's like, well, you prepaid, right? I'm like, no, I thought everybody just wrote $50,000 checks. Turns out I was listening to the wrong numbers. He's supposed to prepay. Didn't know that. I do now, obviously. But figure out what percentage of your revenue is your taxes. Guess high. I'm going to tell you that too. Guess high on that one. If you think it's 10, go 12, 15 even. Doesn't matter. What you do is take that percentage out. So let's say your taxes are 15%. You got your revenue. You take out your 5% of profit. You take out your 15% of taxes. You put it in a separate account. And it sits there. It's like a savings. It's not there. You pretend it's not there and you leave it there until April. Magically, the last two years, April comes, ta-da, that account is full and it pretty much matches what my tax guy says I owe. So yeah, I am writing a big check, but it's out of sight, out of mind. It's not sitting in the account staring at me saying, spend me. It's not how that works. I didn't understand that. Then you take out expenses, put it into account. Then you take out your pay, the owner's pay. And I'm like, what? Let me take out my pay. I just take out money when I want. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would listen to a podcast that I, well, I know why, because I'm telling you all the bad stuff, but God, I did so many things wrong. <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to pay myself. I thought I just took out money whenever I needed it. I'm like, take some money here, take some money there. I'm going to write it off. It's going to be on the, the, t- the tax guide takes care of it. Pay yourself. One of those accounts is your account. I'm like, oh, I thought the whole thing was mine. No, it's not. So what the reason I say go read the book on your own is I read it and like everything else that I do, I find my own way. I'm like, that works, but I'm going to play with it. I'm going to make it uh, my own. I do take money out. I sat down with my my accountant and I said, how much taxes am I going to owe? And he gives me a number and I divide it by 52. Percentages work for me until they don't work. I don't, I want to be sure. He's like, you're going to owe about this much. So I divided it by 52, added some to it. And that's what I take out every single week. And now it does come out automatically. The bank, I have it set up with an automatic transfer every Friday. This amount of money comes out. You can do percentages as well. But just like I said, use what I'm saying as a basis for it, because I like to bastardize things. So make sure you talk to your CPI. I am not an accountant. I, as I'm telling you, I don't understand numbers and money as well as I should. That's why I have things like CFOs and CPAs and they usually go, John, stop it. And I go, okay, I'll stop. (laughs) Or yeah. But long story short is get those accounts, split your money up. Don't just stare at one account and go, Ooh, we've got a lot of zeros. Let's buy something. That's a terrible way to run a company. And I did for four or five years. Don't do it. I have the money come out for taxes. It goes into a separate account out of sight, out of mind. Uh, my, I have an expenses account. I actually have a paycheck because I switched over to a C corp. I have to take a paycheck as an owner. The money's not all mine anymore as it rightfully shouldn't because I can get in trouble, but I get a paycheck now. Same as everybody else comes in, taxes taken out. Talk to your CPA, your CFO about that as well, because it's a, well, it's a better way of doing business, I think, but do your own research on it. But I get a paycheck. So I have to worry about that. I have an expenses account covered taxes, good profit. The percentage worked, but because my numbers were so funky and I didn't have all my numbers nailed down two, three years ago, I was like, here's what I'm going to do. So the percentage thing, like I said, it worked until it didn't for me. I tried the percentages and I was having to figure out math every week. I'm like, okay, so I made this much and times this percent and and, okay. And it was a lot of sense and change in there. I was like, eh, I just made it simple for myself. I came up with a round number that I want in my expenses account. The taxes are taken off the top. I already get a paycheck. So I'm left with profit and expenses. I know what I want in my expenses account to spend. And I have to give my, it's a budget really, because I could just keep adding to an expense account and then it gets really big, a lot of zeros. And I go, Ooh, shiny thing. I don't want that. So I said, here's the number. We're going to cap it at this. If it's over that number, profit. If it's under that number, we spent too much and now I've got to work to get back to that number. And that's what I've done. You just take a round number, 
So you know what? This is what I want this account to stay at. And then whenever, whenever it goes over that number, just transfer it into the profit account. And that way I know that I've made profit. That's my own personal way of doing it. It's not exactly the same as the book, but it works for me. Find your own way, but separate your money. That's the, the moral of that part. Separate it. Don't leave it all on an account and then just go out and buy stuff with it. Track it. Taxes was the biggest one. God, every year the taxes would come. And that big, the big account number that I was looking at, like, ooh, we have money, all of a sudden didn't. Now, it's already in an account right now. And it's out of sight. And I don't have to worry about it. And I'm not going to spend it because I can't. And there you go. So, money's a big one. If you don't have a good CPA or you need a fractional CFO or somebody that can explain it, I do. I literally called the CFO and I said, hi, I have no idea what I'm doing. Can you help me? That was how the conversation went. (laughs) And she goes, absolutely. That's what we do. And I'm like, yes, but I need somebody that I can call and go, hey, is this good? Is this right? Am I doing this? Should I, how do I, what, you know, that whole asking for help thing, you got to be humble. If you think you got it all figured out, you don't. I guarantee it. Nobody knows everything about everything. That's why there are different careers like that. Go ask somebody that knows what they're talking about. So CFO, CPA, that's their job. They live and breathe numbers way more than I do. I just like to play with spreadsheets once in a while. That's their whole life. Ask them, make sure you're doing it right. Because if you don't do your taxes or your accounts or your pay or anything else right, you can get, it's bad. You don't want to get on the wrong side of the IRS or the government. So make sure you're checking with them. But Figure out your own way. Um, call tracking is another one. I know Jill and I talked about that a few weeks ago, how I didn't understand how the phone works. <laughs> I thought everybody that calls should get an appointment set and everybody that calls should get an appointment. So there we go. So when I come in at the end of the day and there was two appointments, I'm like, what have you been doing for eight hours? Like I didn't understand how much goes into that until we started tracking our calls. How many of the call, well, how many calls do you get period, Right. You got 50 calls today. Great. Of those 50 calls, how many of them are viable leads? Well, that means you have to know the difference between a lead and a non-lead. A non-lead for us is somebody that has a gas appliance. We can't help them. It's not our fault if we don't set the appointment. We recently stopped doing pellets. I just don't want to. It's we got to stay in our lane kind of thing. I want to spread ourselves too thin. Pellet was the first one to go. We don't do pellet or gas. So if one of those two calls, that's not a lead. It doesn't count towards the girl's numbers. Uh, if they're out of our service area, right? If they're if they're two hours away, that's not our fault or the girl's fault for not setting the appointment. So not a lead. We got about ten or twelve different things that count as not leads. And surprisingly, the majority of calls that my office takes are not leads. Almost every time. I mean, and inside of that, there's marketing. There's vendors that call. There's customers that are calling not to book an appointment, but to schedule an appointment. They're not calling to, you know, there's so many different things at play here. People calling and checking in. Hey, when's my appointment? How much do I owe? I got a question. There's so many calls they take in a day and a smaller percentage than I thought of them are actually leads. So know the difference of the calls you're taking. How many of them should you actually be counting? Once you get that number, let's say she took 50 calls in a day, 20 of them were leads. Okay. Out of those leads, how many did you book? 16. Good. We're getting somewhere. Now you've got numbers. You're knowing your numbers. Now what do those numbers mean? Don't just focus on the good. Oh, you got 16 and 16 divided by 20. This percentage, it's a good percentage run. What about the four? What about the four that you didn't book? Why? What was their reason? Why did was it cost? Was it time? Was it, you know, they they didn't understand or they didn't, you know, why? If you could have and should have and didn't, let's focus on getting better for the next ones. Don't just gloss over those four and just be like, yeah, I got 16 out of 20. You got to play with the numbers. How much is each call work? That's something that I didn't even think I could track. My system does it for me, so it makes it easy, but you can track how much the calls are. The girls actually compare numbers, which was weird because Last week, they said 141 appointments between the three of them. And when I pulled the numbers, all three of them came within $600 of each other for money booked on the phone. I'm like, how does that even happen? All three had different call booking rates, different lead amounts, different call amounts, different time. Everything was different, but somehow they managed to get almost the exact same amount of money booked. I'm like, that's really weird. But numbers are like that. Length of the call. I didn't think I'd ever track that one. Why? Why would you track that? Well, you can then see. Different things about the the people that are answering your phone. 
Last year, we started tracking that. One of the girls in our office was on the phone an average of four and a half minutes per customer. I'm like, whoa. And that's counting non-leads and follow-ups and marketing and all the other stuff. Average of four minutes, 30 seconds. I'm like, okay, what about everybody else? Two and a half. Two. I'm like, huh. Started listening to their calls more, started paying attention more. One of the girls just talks about anything and everything. Like she's just... She's just like that. She talks about family and friends and, oh, that's so fun and this is great and I didn't know that. And she's talking about all this non-chimney stuff, whereas we talked, uh, Jill and I talked about like a call script and questions. Uh, One of the girls was newer and she was, you know, just sticking to the script. And that's one of the reasons I don't like scripts is if you get scripts, it's very easy to get tunnel vision and you don't realize what you're asking and why. So we had a training and I was like, hey, those questions you're asking, there's actually, it's not just for me to track or me to, to know there's reasons behind it. And here's the, if I ask how many chimneys on the house, they call for a fireplace sweeping. I need my fireplace swept. It's very easy to go just straight to that. Okay. Our price for fireplace sweeping is this, and we can do it on this date. Great. How many chimneys do you have? Well, two. Okay. What are in those chimneys? Well, I I get the the fireplace, like I said, and then my boiler and a wood stove. Okay. Uh, Do you use those? Well, you know, once in a while. Oh, all right. Well, did you know that the boiler actually needs to be checked every year, just like a fireplace is because it never gets checked by the HVAC guy? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. And when's the last time the wood stove was inspected? Oh, like when we bought the house and it was making a funny smell, come to think of it. Okay. Now you've got a two chimney inspection for three different flues. So just asking those questions isn't just a check it off the list. How many chimneys? Two. How many appliances? Three. Okay. Here's your price. No. The questions are there for you to build on. Build rapport, get to know them, serve them. That's the whole point. That way the technician doesn't show up for his fireplace sweeping and he sees a cracked liner when he gets up on the roof for a a flu he didn't know existed, right? So we figured out by tracking the length of the call, who was spending more time with the customers. And surprisingly, the longer she was on the phone with the customer, the higher her closing rate. Not surprisingly, but surprised me at the time. So track that. There's so many, that's just off the top of my head as I was writing this, I could go on for a couple hours on these, but dig into these things. How long and what's the amount of calls versus the amount of non-calls versus the amount of cancellations is another one. We can actually track which girl's cancellation rate is higher. So I'm like, okay, she books a lot, but those customers also call and cancel. Why? Let's go into those calls and find out, right? There's so many different things to play with once you understand what you're what you're tracking. So I posted that, uh, that spreadsheet in the forum this week. And one of the questions that I got was, well, couldn't you just use QuickBooks? <laughs> yeah, I could have, but I didn't understand my numbers or QuickBooks. So I didn't, I did it when I was smaller. I just put it in on my own and I wanted the numbers to do what I wanted. I didn't realize that QuickBooks would do that because I wasn't using it to its full potential is the real answer. Once I did Once that kind of was the baby step in figuring out revenue minus payroll, minus materials, minus expenses equals profit by the day, then I could see sweeping days are a true loss leader. And I could see that. And I'm like, oh man, we're losing our shirt on that. Then I would see repair days where we made a lot of money. Yay. Then I'd see repair days where we didn't make a lot of money. Why? Well, it wasn't bid right. We didn't have our job costing down. We didn't understand how to attribute materials and markup and all that. We didn't do it right on that one. So then I was able to start digging in deeper. I'm like, okay, we need to fix this. We need to fix that. It was a good way for me to lead into something like QuickBooks. You can skip over all of the the spreadsheets and everything else that I'm, I'm sharing and sending out and just get a really good CPA, CFO, somebody that just knows QuickBooks and have them explain it to you because it will do all that for you. Once I learned that, all bets are off. Once I learned how to manipulate the numbers in QuickBooks and pull a report and see what this means and and this attributes to that and this is higher than this should be and, and ooh, it's a whole different world for me. A couple of the high notes on that is once I knew what to do with my numbers, I could do more with my numbers. I started to look at percentages. I'd hear people throw numbers around all the time like, oh yeah, my marketing is you know 11% of my gross. I'm like, wow, I, I, I don't know. Okay, good for you. <laughs> now I know what that means. There's a report in QuickBooks. You can pull it and it'll tell you percentages. And now my marketing is 7.7% now. I thought it was higher. I thought I spent a lot of money on advertising. Turns out it's 
Decent. 7.7. Okay. I know how much my pay is compared to it. I know how much everybody else's pay is compared to it. I know how much our labor is, how much our materials, how much I can see all of that. I know how much our, our CRM is costing me percentage-wise of our gross revenue. I can track that. The profit and loss sheet, though, gave me two big things. One, uh, I talked about before losing employees that started their own business. And that's one of those big fears. I've talked about this in seminars and on podcasts. And a lot of us are fearful that our employees are going to up and leave us, start their own companies. I wasn't. I was like, you know, if they want to, that's fine. Until it happened. (laughs) And it hurts for a minute. But what I realized was when employees think that you're just rolling in money, and they all do, by the way, if you're an owner listening to this, your employees think that you are rolling in money. If you're an employee, you probably think that your owner is rolling in money. They're wrong. <laughs> 100% because they don't understand the back end. They see the top line number. You know, an employee brings home a $15,000 check from a, a week long job. They're like, wow, 15. That's, I remember I was sitting in the office and I was doing, uh, the bills for the, the month. Actually, it was that spreadsheet I was talking about. I was in the middle of doing that. And somebody in the office was looking at some of the checks and there was a fourteen fifteen thousand $15,000 check. And they're like, wow, that's the, like that's a lot of money. That's insane compared to my pay and compared to this. And they were like making it real for them. And it is a lot of money. And at the time I was doing the spreadsheet and I was like, yep, that's already spent. And they said, what? And I showed them the bill for our TV advertising for that month, which came out to fourteen eight. I was like, that check you're holding in your hand just paid for all of our commercials. And their eyes like glazed, like what? Like when you make numbers make sense and attribute them to real life, they take on a whole different world. To me, a $14,000 TV commercial bill is really high and it hurts every time I write a check for something like that. But when that's a lot of money compared to something I, I, I can't even like figure out what I'm trying to say. You know what I'm trying to say? Make it make sense to people. And it did. When they heard that and they're looking at this check they're holding in their hand for that much money and I attribute it to this and that, they're like, whoa. So I realized that. I lost employees that thought they could do it better because they saw those big checks. They'd see a, a lot of zeros at the end of their day and they're like, man, I busted my butt all day and I should have that money. It's mine. Great. They should and they're right. What they don't realize is how much money it took to make that money. Now, if you're one of those business owners that likes to hide all of your back end and and profits and money, I would highly advise against. Not all of it. I get that. There's things that business owners and CPAs and CF that's it. They should stay there. Fine. But share the the bad along with the good. Everybody wants to sh- share that top-down number. A million dollar company, 2 million, 10 million dollar company. Great. That's good. If you want to brag, if you want to be real, let's talk about your expenses. Stoner talked about it. Million dollar company spending 1.2. That's not good. I'm the same way. So I lost these employees. They went out and they started their own business and they thought they could do it better than me or they thought they could make more money. After that, I started thinking about their point of view. Like I'm talking about now what they see when they see all these numbers. And I was like, let's have a little fun with it. So at the end of the year, I took my profit and loss and I went through and I pulled out, I think it was 15, 15 or 20 key line items like payroll, job materials, gas, dumpster, uniforms, right? Just big numbers, small numbers, middle numbers. Just so I was like, let's just pull out some interesting numbers here. I came into work and I came in with, 50, uh, I think it was like 150 or two, whatever the number was, I had $10 for every answer. So let's say there was 15 questions and I had $150 in tens in my pocket. Is that we're going to play a game? Everybody grab a marker, go into the training room, go up to the whiteboard. I'm going to read off something from last year. This is like January 4th. You know, it's the beginning of the year. I'm like, this is from last year. You write down what you think it costs the company and whoever's closest without going over gets 10 bucks. And we had a game. It was a little prices right profit and loss game. So I'd read it off. I'm like, what do you think we spent on gas? Somebody writes 2000 Somebody writes 50000 Somebody writes 10000 And I'm like, we spent $12,746 or whatever it was. And that person would get 10 bucks, And we kept going. Things like payroll, $600,000 a year. Job materials, $400,000. I'm reading off these massive numbers and then things that seem small. Like, what do you think we paid for the dumpster? 
that's sitting outside that we just throw trash into and nobody really puts any thought into. And they're like, oh, um, man, these numbers are high. You know, it got them thinking. We went through 15 or 20, whatever it was that first year. And some people won some money and they were happy. You know, some people more won more than others. And there was a lot of ribbing going on. But afterwards, when the when the game broke and everybody started going to work, I had two or three employees pull me aside. Like, hey, John, hey, um, uh, I just I just want to know, like, are, are we going under? <laughs> are we are we? Are we broke? Are you trying? Is this you trying to tell us that we we're not going to have a job? Like, is this what's going on? And they were scared. Meanwhile, we had one of our best years the year before. We had really good record profits, and we had a lot of money. But when you start throwing out the the spending money to employees, it changed everything for them. In the moment, they were like, "Are we broke?" That was their first thought. Are we Are we okay? Do I should I start filling out my resume? I'm like, "No, no, no. We're good. We're good." I just want you to realize how much it costs. Magically, the next week, people started clocking out early. Not early, but, you know, they weren't hanging around and milking the clock. They would like, "Okay, I got to clock out. I saw how much payroll cost," and they would start counting their materials. And oh man, I know how much that costs. So let's you know make sure we don't waste that. And they started putting mortar into trash bags rather than just throwing out a quarter of a bag. Like I started to see the company care internally without somebody having to tell them to. They knew that it costs money to make money. I'm very open with all of that. The entire company sees bills and prices and numbers and headaches because why hide it? All they're going to do is think that you're rolling in these big numbers that they keep seeing come through, 10, 20, $15,000 checks. They're like, man, he must be rolling in it. Absolutely not. I sat down and I showed one of my employees our profit and loss ones because he was just talking all this big game about how much money he made. I'm the top seller and I make the most. And I'm like, oh yeah, good. Sit down. I was in the middle of doing our profit and loss for our quarterly meeting. I was like, sit down and take a look at this. And he scrolled through and he goes, how is that possible? I'm like, what? He goes, it says you spent more than you made. I'm like, I did. He's like, how's that? You, You can't spend more than you have. I said, no, I spent more than I made. I have it because I made it last year. So we're eating into last year's profits right now. This is the middle of the first quarter. We were a little bit underneath. And he's like, what? And he starts scrolling through it, all the different things. You spend that much on this? I'm like, yep. And it cost you that much for that? I'm like, yep. And I just sat there and watched his face drop. He's like, I got to get to work. I'm like, yeah, you do. How about you stop bragging about your big numbers and go actually take care of my numbers? Big difference. So if you want your employees to buy in, you want them to just get it, involve them. Don't hide it from them. And I know so, I've talked to so many business owners who are like, well, I don't want them seeing the material cost and I don't want them seeing this and I don't want them seeing that. Then they'll never understand. They won't. I was the same way. I'm talking to myself here. I was working for somebody else and I remember standing on the back of his truck in the middle of the freezing it was the middle, like January, February, and my fingers are numb. And I'm like, why am I killing myself for this guy? Holding onto a $10,000 check. I'm like, why am I killing myself for this guy when he gets this and I get so many dollars an hour? Like, don't let your employees think that that's all there is. Help them understand. I've taken it a step further now that I have management. They now have access to those numbers. They now have to track progress and uh profit and just they have to see the company from my side of it blows their minds they're like what they call me on stuff like i said before they're like why are we spending money on this i'm like uh because i want it they're like no (laughs) no don't do that i'm like okay (laughs) because i have to be accountable now i am because they see the numbers but i made them accountable in a different way when i took them out of the field they were making really good money because they were on piece rate commission right i couldn't pay them that amount of money to not make money It's one thing if you're getting a percentage of the pie, but if there's no more pie, how can I give you that money? So I told them, here's what we're going to do. We're going to settle on a number. And I went to each one of them and I settled on a number for them. And then I said, what we're going to do is you're going to get quarterly bonuses. It's up to you how much money we make as a company. Because up to that point, it was just my account. It was my name. It was my money. What we made was mine. And then I divvied it up to everybody else. Now it's ours. Now they are in charge of different parts of the company, office, training, uh, assistant technicians, lead technicians, inventory, all of these different parts of the pie. They now have control of it, but they know the back end. They know what it costs. They know that it takes money to make money. And now they have a bonus on the line every quarter. Like we just did it this morning. 
for the third quarter. We sat down with the profit and loss. We went through it line by line. Why is this higher than last quarter? Why is this higher than last year? Why are we under? Why are we spending this? Why did this change? Why? The why is so important. And now they get it. They understand it. And they're calling me out for things. They found things in the P&L that I didn't even see. I'm like, oh, crap. I have no idea. Let me look into that. <laughs> look, more eyes are better than one or two. But at the end of the year, or at the end of the quarter, there's profit at the bottom. Hopefully, there's profit at the bottom of that P&L. We then take a percentage of that, and then we break that percentage up between the four of us. So they make money if the company makes money, just like me. They buy in. If you're just going to throw money, like a, a steady paycheck at somebody, say, here, go kill yourself and go work overtime and work late and do all these things, they're going to be like, okay, next. They're not going to stick around for that. Now my employees, all of them from top to bottom, know it costs money to make money. They know how much money it costs to make the money that they're seeing. And now, like with my my lead technicians on commission, piece rate, performance rate, whatever you want to call it, they're even more bought in because their pay depends on their productivity as well. They have to make sure the materials are right. And if you lose a part, break a part, mismeasure a part, you're going to get charged for it. It's coming out of your materials. You mismeasure a cap you're going to get the materials taken out for the cap that you mismeasured plus the one you now have to order because we have to pay twice for that too. So do you. It doesn't come out uh, 100%. You know, like if they mismeasure your cap and it costs $400, I'm not taking $400 out of their pay. No, I'm taking it out of a material before their commission gets calculated. But they have to buy in now. They have to understand how it works and they have to keep track of it just like I do. And the whole company is now responsible for the profit of the company, not just one man this one went long again and i still have more to talk about with this so let's break for now um i'm gonna kind of flesh out some more ideas about what these numbers should do and can do because i haven't even got into really what uh <laughs> the big mistake that i made this week that i teased at the top of it but uh, there's so many other things that i found out once i started matching numbers to each other that's really the the take home from this episode is know your numbers fine which numbers? Once you know which numbers, what do those numbers mean? It's all good to say, okay, here's my call booking rate, but what can that do for you once you know what the call booking rate is? What can you do once you know your material costs, right? I got a bunch of different stories about how one will equal the other. You'll be like, why does that even matter? But it does. So until next week, thank you for lending me your ears. <laughs>